I want to give a warning before we start this case. This case is a parenting case and involves topics of suicidal ideation, domestic abuse, abuse and neglect of children, and mental health issues. If you would prefer to skip this episode, absolutely feel free to do so, and always, always put your own mental health first. G'day, welcome to Just In Case Law. I'm Tanya Chapman, a wills and estates solicitor, but it's been a while since we've done a family law case. So let's have a look at the case of Harty and Chilton, 2021. This is a case in which a grandmother and aunt have applied to the court for shared parental responsibility for the children. This case could get a bit confusing as some parties have the same name. And so I'm going to try to paint you a family tree. We have mum and dad. We'll refer to them as mum and dad. They have three children aged between 11 and 16, who I'm going to refer to as the children. The maternal grandmother and the maternal aunt have applied to the family court seeking orders in relation to the children. The orders they have sought are that the court give the grandmother and aunt equal shared parental responsibility for the children. What used to be called custody Uh, but is now referred to as parental responsibility. That the children live with the grandmother and sometimes with the aunt. That they be permitted to apply for the birth of the younger child to be registered and be able to apply for birth certificates for all of the three children. That they be permitted to apply for passports for the children. That the younger children spend time with their father every third weekend and that the older child spend time with the father whenever the parties agree. That the children spend time with the mother at such times and under such conditions that the parties agree. And what that means is that the grandmother may require the mother to do drug testing before the visits, or for the visits to be supervised, but otherwise for the grandmother to make those decisions. To understand why the grandmother and aunt are seeking those orders, let's have a look at the family background. The grandmother is 64 years old and the aunt is 42. The mother and father are both 43. The grandmother and aunt had serious concerns about the well-being of the children arising from risk in the care of each parent, including substance abuse, homelessness, mental health difficulties, family violence and neglect. The grandmother stated that from about 2012, both of the parents were heavily involved with drugs. She described the mother as becoming more aggressive, snappy, bitter, did not take care of herself and her personal hygiene, and was very irrational. The aunt had a conversation with the mother, in which the mother expressed the wish to stop taking drugs. When asked what drug she used, the mother said, quote, ice, cocaine, you name it, but the ice is the evil stuff, end quote. According to the grandmother, the parents were verbally and physically abusive to each other. They would yell at each other, call each other expletives, and threaten to kill each other. She also saw them push, shove, kick, and punch each other. 
the police had been called to their house on numerous occasions. On a few occasions, the mother and children had moved in with the grandmother to have a break from the violence. On one of those occasions, a number of used needles was found amongst the children's toys. The mother was also verbally abusive towards the children. She would yell at them, quote, I hate you, I don't love you, I'm going to give you to your father, end quote, and other expletive-filled insults. On one occasion, the aunt heard the mother threaten to drive into a tree and kill the children. In early 2016, the mother suffered mental health problems and was admitted to a psychiatric hospital. The children went to live with the grandmother. Not long after the mother was released from hospital and the children were living with their parents again, the father was admitted to a psychiatric hospital. The Department of Family and Community Services, as they were then known, contacted the grandmother and arranged for the children to live with her again. They also directed the mother to do rehabilitation and organise permanent secure accommodation for herself and for the children. During this time, the eldest child told the grandmother, quote, I don't want to stay with mum because she's not home at night, end quote. From September 2016, the children lived with the grandmother and she arranged for them to get counselling. Sometime later, the children returned to living with their mother and father. Now, if you're getting confused with all the children bouncing back and forth between residences, imagine how it would have been for them in real life. This is a lot of moves in a relatively short time and would have been incredibly traumatic for those children. The parents separated in 2017 after which the mother and the children lived in approximately 11 different houses, including share houses, friends' houses, halfway homes, and in the mother's car for a short period. At other times, the mother was homeless. Sometime during that year, the children returned to living with the grandmother. However, in October, the eldest child decided to move back in with their mother because her mother wasn't as strict. The mother started a relationship with a person who was heavily involved with drugs. The eldest child complained about sleeping on couches, staying at drug houses, or sleeping in the mother's car. She was also scared for her safety, saying she didn't feel safe with the mother, quote, because there are other boys in the house, end quote. In early 2008, the mother asked to spend time with the two younger children at a friend's place. The mother seemed coherent and did not appear to have taken drugs or alcohol, so the grandmother agreed to let the children stay with her overnight. When the grandmother collected the kids the next day, the mother was dirty and hadn't delivered the children to school on time. She verbally abused the grandmother in front of the children. The grandmother decided to keep the two younger children with her, if she could, as she was worried that the mother wouldn't put their needs before her own. In early 2018, the mother requested and then pressured the eldest child into loaning her partner money. The child had received the money for Christmas and didn't want it lend it to the partner, but the mother complained and the child gave in. A couple of months later, the mother was granted accommodation in a halfway house on the basis that the eldest child was living with her. 
the child frequently returned to the arts home because she was without food, appropriate clothing or school supplies. Over time, she was reluctant to return to live with her mother because she was physically and verbally abusive. The grandmother and aunt sent a letter to the parents through their solicitor, requesting that they be given the long-term care of the children. The mother became hostile and demanded that the eldest child return to live with her. It was around this time that the eldest child attempted to kill herself. The grandmother and aunt believed that this was because the mother had changed the child's living arrangements. The grandmother reported to the Department of Family and Community Services. The younger children were placed in the care of the grandmother, but the eldest remained living with the mother. The grandmother, increasingly concerned by this point, with the aunt, applied for parental responsibility for the children. Interim orders needed to be made. So interim orders are made for the meantime until the matter can progress to hearing and get a final outcome, which could be years later. This application was made in mid-2018 and orders were made in February 2021. So interim orders mean orders for what is to happen with those children during that three-year period. The grandmother sought that the children stay with her until the matter could be heard in full and final orders provided. She argued that the mother did not have the capacity to meet the needs of the children and did not have suitable accommodation. The mother wanted the children to live with her and spend time with the father. She argued that she had reduced her drug use significantly. She said that in the past she had been injecting ice one or two times a day and smoking up to 15 cones of cannabis a day. Now, she said, she only had one joint before bed each night and smoked ice on occasion with her friends. The family was assessed by a family consultant and a child-inclusive memorandum was prepared, which I'll refer to as the 2018 memo. This is a report that focuses on identifying the best interests of the children involved in a parenting dispute. It is designed to help the parents and the court assess the needs and wishes of the children and determine what sort of parenting arrangements best fulfil those needs. In the 2018 memo, there were concerns about the mother's substance abuse, mental health difficulties and the high level of conflict between her and the grandmother and aunt. The concerns about the mother's mental health related to her history of self-harm behaviours and suicidal ideation. Both parents accused the other of being verbally and physically abusive. The mother even said that the father had attempted to choke her in the past. The mother told the expert that she had been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety, and that she had several hospital admissions. The grandmother said that in 2018, the mother had punched her and threatened to kill her, and the father was receiving treatment from a psychiatrist and family doctor for his depression and anxiety and was taking medication to help him sleep. In the 2018 memo, the family consultant stated that the eldest child was highly attuned to her mother's needs and that, quote, children who feel responsible for meeting and managing their parents' needs 
are at risk of psychological difficulties, end quote. The consultant recommended that the mother get psychological support to develop appropriate skills to manage her emotions and be able to have a relationship with the child, as well as treatment for substance abuse difficulties and her mental health. The consultant anticipated that the release of the 2018 memo would cause the mother emotional distress and recommended that it be provided to the parties in court to minimise any possible detrimental impact on the children. Quote, Ultimately, the family consultant was of the view that in light of the significant concerns raised about the mother's substance abuse, mental health history, accommodation instability, and issues relating to the children's safety and well-being, the court may need to be satisfied that the children are not at risk of harm in the care of the mother. End quote. The court considered that both parents could be found to pose an unacceptable risk of harm to the children. It was also noted that there were high levels of conflict between the mother and grandmother and aunt, and that exposure to such conflict places the children at greater risk of emotional and behavioural difficulties. In June 2018, the court made interim orders that the grandmother and aunt have shared parental responsibility that the younger children live with the grandmother and the eldest child live with the aunt. The court also ordered that the parents do drug testing at least once a month and send the results to the lawyers involved, that they refrain from consuming alcohol or drugs within 48 hours of seeing the children or when they were with the children. And only after she had been tested for drugs would the mother be permitted to spend time with the children. The mother never did do any drug testing, so she didn't get to see her children during that time, although they did communicate by email, text. The father spent time with the youngest children once a month. Because the mother wasn't doing any rehabilitation or drug testing, the matter was brought before the court again in October 2018. The family was ordered to see a family consultant. In early 2019, the family, including the grandmother and aunt, were assessed by a family consultant and an extensive assessment was carried out across two days in May. There were no concerns in the relationship between the grandmother, the aunt and the father. They seemed to be able to be civil with each other, but all three had poor relationships with the mother. The mother appeared to have made no progress in relation to her rehabilitation or getting psychiatric treatment. She told the consultant that she was not prepared to participate in a a residential rehabilitation program because she had already seen a drug and alcohol counsellor and regularly attended Narcotics Anonymous. The consultant reported that the mother, quote, lacks insight into the significance of her substance use difficulties and the impact this is likely to have on her parenting and interpersonal relationships, end quote. The children were interviewed as well. The eldest child was ambivalent about staying with the mother, as she found her aunt to be strict, but she acknowledged that her aunt was able to provide her things she needed and support her with school. She said that it was disappointing that her mother, quote, finds it difficult to follow through with what she says she'll do. End quote. 
but that she was used to it, so it doesn't matter. The middle child didn't express a preference about where he lived, and was particularly sad and confused about his limited time with his mother. The youngest stated that he would be scared not to live with his grandmother. In their report, the family consultant said that there were ongoing risks in relation to family violence, substance abuse, mental health difficulties and neglect of the children. They recommended that the things stay as they were, as they thought that any change in the children's living arrangements would be disruptive for the children and distressing for the younger children in particular. The family consultant considered the effect of preventing the mother having contact with the children, but emphasised that it may be necessary to protect the younger children from exposure to possible substance abuse, the mother's interpersonal difficulties, conflict with the grandmother and irresponsible parenting practices. So that was the position in late 2018. In mid-2019, the mother applied seeking changes to the orders. She was okay that the children stay living with the grandmother and aunt, but she wanted shared parental responsibility so that she could be part of decision-making in relation to the children. She also wanted orders that she could see her children at first supervised visits, but progressing to unsupervised about twice a month. She wanted the children to stay with her for half the school holidays. Trial directions were made in October 2019. This is basically orders of what evidence and documentation the parties must provide to the court before the hearing date that will help the court make a decision. So they were ordered to go away, get this information and bring it back to the court. In early 2020, it was noted that the mother and father had not provided any of the information or documents that they had been ordered to provide. It appeared that the father no longer intended to participate in the proceedings, and the mother told the court that she was no longer legally represented and needed more time to submit her documents. There was a compliance check in March, which the mother didn't attend. Both the mother and father had failed to provide any evidence or documents to the court. In August, there was a case management listing following non-compliance. A case management listing is a conference between the judge, the lawyers and the parties to discuss what issues they can agree on, what issues they disagree on and what needs to happen to get the case moving forward. And unfortunately, both the mother and the father failed to attend. Thus, the matter was listed for an undefended hearing on the 18th of November 2020. On that date, both the mother and father appeared without legal representation. The mother sought an adjournment. I know, after more than two years waiting to go to trial, she wanted to delay the matter further. She insisted that the grandmother and aunt had unreasonably withheld the children from spending time with her. She also said that she had completed a rehabilitation program and was seeking for the children to speak with her on the phone each week. The court said that the primary consideration when deciding whether to adjourn a matter was the best interest of the children, and in this case where both the mother and father had failed to meaningfully participate in the proceedings or comply with court orders, 
it was in the children's best interest for litigation to be brought to an end as soon as possible. The Hearing Section 65C of the Family Law Act provides that persons other than parents, including grandparents and any other person concerned with the care, welfare and development of the children, can apply for parenting orders. And this is why I wanted to cover this case, to, you know, share this awareness that people other than parents can make this application. Despite what you might think, and what I thought before reading this case, there is no preferential position between parents and a non-parent. And to quote the case of Valentine and Lacerra, quote, An application for a parenting order by a non-parent is to be determined in the same way as an application by a parent, namely, according to its own facts and having regard to the best interest of the child as the paramount consideration, end quote. This was an undefended hearing, which means that the applicant has sought that the court makes an order and nobody opposed it. The father supported the orders that the grandmother was seeking. The mother appeared before the court by phone, having not engaged in the proceedings for some time, and the court informed her that the matter had been set down for an undefended hearing and would proceed as such. So basically, the mother had her chance to oppose the application. She was given plenty of time to file and submit her opposition to the grandmother's application, and she did not do so. So when the hearing date was set, it was set as undefended because there was no case from the mother. And even though she now appears saying that she's ready to oppose, the court said, no, we are proceeding on an undefended basis. During the hearing, the mother sought to have her visitation time with the children better defined. She didn't think it was reasonable to let the grandmother decide when and under what conditions she could see her kids. The Independence Children's Lawyer, which is exactly what the name says, it is the lawyer for the children, supported the application of the grandmother and the aunt. The ICL is a lawyer appointed by the family court to represent the best interest of the child in the parenting dispute, and they could side with either party or they could make their own recommendations. And in this case, they looked at the whole scenario and said, Actually, we agree with the grandmother and the aunt. The mother would normally have her own lawyer and the father his, but in this case, um, they were unrepresented. The grandmother and aunt did have their own lawyer, and given all of that, it is only right that there be a lawyer there as well, representing the children. So, what did the court need to consider? This is the law as it was at the time of this case, and the family law has changed a little bit since then. But there are still elements of this that strongly apply. So let's just go into it. There is a presumption at this time that it was in the best interest of the child for their parents to have equal shared parental responsibility. But that this didn't apply where a parent had engaged in abuse of the child or family violence, or in interim proceedings where the court doesn't think it would be appropriate, or if the court is satisfied that it would not be in the child's best interest. 
The court can give consideration to the following factors. The views expressed by the children, especially older children. The nature of the relationship each child had with their parents, with the grandmother and with the aunt. The extent to which the parents had taken or failed to take the opportunity to spend time with the children and communicate with them. So, the mother not doing that drug testing and then using her visitation opportunities, that is definitely a factor. The extent to which the parents had provided for or failed to provide for the children, including financially. The likely effect of any changes in the child's child's circumstances. The capacity of the parents or any other person to provide for the needs of the children, including emotional and intellectual needs. The attitude of the parents towards their children and the responsibilities of parenthood. So do they even acknowledge their previous parental failings or recognise where they need to improve? Any family violence and any other things the court thinks appropriate. But the primary considerations for the court, the things that they must give priority to are the benefit of the child having meaning relationships with both of their parents and the need to protect the children from physical or psychological harm, from being subject to or exposed to abuse, neglect or family violence. With those considerations in mind, the court noted that the children had not enjoyed a consistent meaningful relationship with their parents, and their contact had been for some years limited. However, the proposal that they live with their grandmother would see them live with a carer, quote, who has been actively involved with their maintenance and who has met parental obligations, including financial responsibilities, since their birth, end quote. The grandmother had even done parenting The grandmother had even done parenting courses to help her support the children. The court found that in this case, the need to protect the children from harm was to be given greater weight than the benefit of the children having meaningful relationships with the parents. They also found that the mother was not able to recognise her own limited parental capacity or to address her ongoing risk issues let alone provide for the needs of the children. The poor relationship between the mother and the grandmother and aunt, the court found, was because of the mother's own hostile and aggressive behaviour. It was noted that for over two years since the proceedings had started, the grandmother and aunt had demonstrated a capacity to act protectively of the children and to make child-focused decisions and be responsive to the children's individual needs. The court considered that it would be in the children's best interest, therefore, for the grandmother and aunt to continue to have equal shared parental responsibility. The Orders The court made the orders sought by the grandmother and aunt that the grandmother and aunt have equal shared parental responsibility for the children, In other words, the mother was not given any parental responsibility at all. That the children live with the grandmother and sometimes with the aunt. That they be permitted to apply for birth certificates. That they be permitted to apply for passports for the children. That the younger children spend every third weekend with their father. That the older child spend time with the father whenever they want it, like the parties agreed. 
and the children spend time with the mother only when the grandmother consented to it. And under the grandmother's conditions, so if the grandmother said it had to be supervised, then it had to be supervised. If the grandmother said that the mother had to do drug testing first, then that had to happen. Lessons. The major lesson I wanted people to take away on this case was that grandparents can apply for parenting orders and, like in this case, can be successful depending on the facts of the case. The outcome of the application will depend on those primary and additional considerations we mentioned, but ultimately, underlying everything is always the best interest of the children. That was the case of Hardy versus Chilton, um, 2021. I wanted to cover the case to demonstrate how grandparents can apply for um, shared parental responsibility, but also because it's been a while since I did a family law case. Let me know whether you'd like me to do more family law cases or if there's any other topics you'd like me to cover as well, because I'm happy to get suggestions and feedback. Thank you for listening to this episode and I hope you'll join me for my next one.